Well, hey, Bible Love listeners, so glad you are back. Alan, hallelujah, he is risen. We are in Easter. The Lord is risen indeed. Hallelujah. I mean, we got through those 40 days, and here's the great thing. Easter lasts even longer than Lent. Like, that makes me happy. Does that make you happy? Absolutely. We got 50 days of this. I know. This is so funny. I had a, we're having Murray and I are nuts and we're having the entire church over to our house next week and it's for the Sunday after Easter. And somebody was like, I don't understand. It's the Sunday after Easter. I was like, Easter's 50 days. We got lots of time to celebrate. Yeah. So yeah, we talked about that. We're doing our big Easter festival this Sunday with a, good. Let's see, it's even added. We've got a petting zoo, an egg hunt, a bounce house, a cookout, yard games, all this stuff. And like I made the point of saying, we, it's actually the second Sunday of Easter. I love it. It's not that. after, right? The other liturgical seasons, it's after Pentecost or after whatever. Right. This is of. I love that. We, how, I'm, I'm ex- that how, what smart thinking on your part, you know, because that's typically like a low Sunday, right? And so good for you to give people another reason to come back to church. Everyone yesterday wanted to get out and get in line at brunch or go to grandma's house or whatever. They don't want to hang out and be sure. stuck at church. Yeah. Well, I guess we should pray before we get into all sure. this. Okay. So this is the Thursday and Easter week that you're hearing this in your ears. So um, we thought we would pray the collect for today. So the Lord be with you. And also with you. Almighty and everlasting God, who in the Paschal mystery established the new covenant of reconciliation, grant that all who have been reborn into the fellowship of Christ's body, may show forth in their lives what they profess by their faith. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Okay, so even though it's Easter in our lives, you and I are talking about kings, right? So we today are. we're specifically talking about the first book of Kings, um, chapters 1 through 11. Is that right? Yeah, we're getting through quite a bit. So we, uh-huh. we wrap up the story of David, right? Like we had two weeks ago, three weeks ago, whenever we talked about David's last words which at the end of second Samuel, and this is again, another reminder, first and second Samuel, first and second Kings all used to be one giant book. And then they divided it up. And so we had David's last words. We talked about that. (laughs) Surprise today. David is alive. He did not resurrect. That's the other guy we celebrated yesterday. yesterday. (laughs) David just, this is bad storytelling. I don't know what it is. So David's back. He has some last words today. Um, He kind of sets up, Right. He has a decision to make. He has um, one son whose name I can't pronounce. I know there's a, there's a lot of hard names in this. Yeah. You know, we'll just call him. Freaks me out. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, every time a lector shows up and, you know, if there's a complicated word, they'll come up and ask me like, I know. Like, I know. <laughs> like, I never took Hebrew in yeah. seminary. So like the Old Testament, I'm completely lost. I can maybe figure out New Testament stuff. I just tell them, number one, like, no one else is going to know. Maybe someone in the pews is going to know. So just, like, own it and go for it. (laughs) We have 
I heard a story last week. I was talking about this. Um, Susan, she is the wife of the founding rector of my congregation. Susan is a lovely, lovely soul. She apparently, she's a beautiful reader. She read a bunch this past week when she would get to like the names of all the tribes and, you know, like some of these things, we even encountered some, she would be like the tribe of X, Y, and Z. And I too many to be, and, no, she would say the names. I just can't think oh, like the oh. tribe of, of Benjamin and Judah and too many to be named. Like she would just like, I'm not doing this. I love it. Which Good I love. Right? Because reading scripture, number one, shouldn't stress you out. Reading yeah. scripture publicly, right? Like um, when we proclaim the gospel or when we read scripture, this is not about first Kings, but this is about scripture. Like, yeah. don't let well, things, if, if you're out there and you're a lector, don't let stuff stress you out. Number one, Please don't let the Bible stress you out. Number two, if you just own it, no one's going to know the difference. Well, just make I it up. take Hebrew, but, uh, you know, I've taught, I think I've said this before. First of all, it looks like math and you read it backwards and all of that. And I'm glad you had that little um, don't let it stress you out because it shouldn't. And I let it stress me out too much. But, okay, David had been ruling for 40 years, which was in the grand scheme of things, like a really long time for a leader sort of in this part of the Old Testament. And now he's got some decisions to make, right? He knows he's dying. He's got these sons that have names that are hard to pronounce. And he's not sure, like, should his sons be the king? Should other people be the king? He's kind of in a quorum here, a quandary, quandary. That's what I was trying to speaking of pronouncing things of what to do. Right. So chapter one is like basically trying to figure that out. Don't you think? Yeah, absolutely. And like, there's even, so there's this one, right? Like, um, I have a note here. Absalom sleeps in public with David's wives to show that he is the new king. So there's like house of cards stuff going on. Oh yeah. Right. Like this is palace intrigue, right? I'm going to make some public claim. I'm the guy. And David all along is trying to figure out who's the guy. And I say guy because back then it was guys, right? This isn't, you know, no, I hear you. I know. I mean, it probably would have been better if there was a girl. Oh, um, my God. Like the, <laughs> the Hebrew scripture would probably be a lot shorter if it wasn't just always guy screwing things up. Right, right, right. So what what is the decision he finally makes? Solomon. That's right. Bathsheba's son. So Bathsheba, like we talked about that story, right? Solomon has um, skeletons in his past because of that whole deal. Um, but he becomes the new king. Yeah. So, and then there's this whole like long live King Solomon and everybody sort of kind of gets around it and there's rejoicing and pipes and, you know, sort of like what we had yesterday with Easter. And I guess it's fair to say that like David had sanctioned this. He was like, I'm okay with this. I'm okay with King Solomon. And then in chapter two, um, he, it, this is when he's actually dying and he gives this sort of litany of how to live as the king, right? I'm about to go away off the earth, be strong, show yourself a man, keep the charge of the Lord, your God, walking in his ways and keeping his statues, his commandments, his ordinance, his testimonies, as it is written in the law of Moses 
that you may prosper in all that you do and wherever you turn. So he, even though David made all these mistakes or whatever, like David truly knows what it means to be the king. And he's passing this advice down to Solomon, um, who probably is the unlikely choice, even though he's his son, he's not the son of the first marriage. He's the son of the affair, you know, maybe kind of like feels like the stepchild a little bit, but David feels in his heart that this is, this is the guy. And here are the things that feel important. Be in covenant, love your Lord, Keep the commandments, just as Moses did. That says, then the Lord will establish his word that he spoke concerning me. This is David speaking. Yeah. If, if your heirs take heed to their way, to walk before me in faithfulness with all their heart, with all their soul, there shall not fail you a successor on the throne of Israel. So this is, you know, the Lord speaking to David saying, hey, if you... um you know, to quote scripture, raise up a child in the way you should go, right? Like then your heirs will continue this. It gets a little tricky because, right, there's problems with the heirs because there was problems with David and there's problems with everyone who tries to follow God. Uh, but there's that covenant faithfulness again. It comes up again, right? right. Yeah. Furman really hammered that down last week and I appreciated that. Like yeah. this, this is such a big, big part and if you skip down a little bit to verse 10, like David does die and he's buried in the city of David. And at that time, David had reigned over Israel for 40 years. So then Solomon sat upon the throne of his father and his kingdom was firmly established. So sort of all these brokenness pieces that we'd seen before, they're like all one again, right? David made that happen. And that's what Solomon had to be as the king was all of Israel, right? Am I reading that right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and then we sort of go into this sort of litany through the end of chapter two. Um, I'm not exactly sure what it's about, but like some of the different priests come and visit him, his mothers, giving him advice I guess maybe sort of the news is getting out that Solomon is, is the king and he's yeah. now and David has died and, and this is how we're going to keep going. Yeah. Right. And it's kind of, you know, I read it as like a consolidation of power, elimination of enemies, like yeah. anyone who might have a claim, you know, Solomon is politicking maybe, yeah. you know, he's getting people on his side. He's continuing that reunification effort. Yeah. And then, okay. So then this is sort of interesting to me. I'm going to move all the way into three. Solomon, Solomon made a marriage alliance with a Pharaoh king of Egypt. He took Pharaoh's daughter. Okay. So now Solomon, I mean, we all love to think marriage is all about lovey lovey, right? But sometimes it's not. So now to me, Solomon is like, I'm going to make this kingdom even bigger and I'm going to get Egypt in here too. You know, so I'm going to make this alliance, which, you know, brings even more in. But then it does go into Solomon is a faithful person. Solomon loves the Lord. He learned those things from his father, David. Um, and so there is this like, I understand what my role is as king. Is that how you read that? Yeah, right. You can obviously tell. I mean, Solomon appears to like being king and he wants to be king of more. And so he has this alliance. Yeah. But then, you know, he, this story, and this is famous, right? It's one of the things that, um, 
kind of transcends the Bible, and we can talk about that in a minute. But so Solomon falls asleep. He has this dream. The Lord comes to him and says, ask what I should give you, right? You know, this is like genie in a bottle kind of stuff. The Lord saying, ask what I should give you. Here's a guy who just arranged a marriage with, you know, an heir to Egypt. And so, like, if I'm him, maybe I'm asking, give me all this land or give me all this money or give me whatever. What does he ask for? He says, give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people, able to discern between good and evil. For who can govern this your great people? So Solomon became wealthy beyond imagination. He became incredibly powerful. He became all of that. But when God said, when the Lord said, what should I give you? He said, give me a wise and discerning heart and mind so that I can govern. Mm-hmm. Right? I'm cynical, right? And so maybe Solomon's asking that so he can figure out how to outsmart people. I get but, that. But, you know, I'll try to read it as someone who's not cynical. Um, no, I think, I think it's like two-parted. Like it's human being, right? Like we are searching for things that will make our life easier, that may give us power, blah, blah, blah. But also at the core of who we are as human beings is that we love and we care and we love the Lord. I mean, people can be both, right? We've talked about this before, sort of holding that tension. You know, we don't want to admit the power. We don't admit that that's what we want. But you and I texted about this just like a tiny bit last night. So, this was my first Holy Week, even though I've been here for three years, as um, to to do the whole Holy Week, right? And this is your first time as rector of the church. And I even said to you in a text, I was like, it's kind of nice to be able to do what I want to do, right? And And again, like, I don't mean that in like, that was the most important part of it, but there was some sense of power. Like I didn't have to, I wasn't an associate. I wasn't like, I was the one that got to choose how we were going to live out this liturgy. Right. Um, But at the core of that, of course, the whole thing and the whole experience was about my love for God, the, what Jesus did for us and his death. And of course his miraculous resurrection. Right. So we can hold both of those. In yeah. In here. Right. Like it immediately goes, you know, Solomon does this and yeah, I'll take him at his word. He asked for a discerning mind. And then God who like, I'm not one to think God can be fooled. You know, it says no. it pleased the Lord and the Lord said, Oh, because you asked for this, the discerning mind, I'm going to give this to you. There's not going to be anyone wiser than you. Like Solomon's wisdom is, you know, remarkable throughout history. But then the Lord says, I'm also going to give you what you didn't ask for. I'm going to give you the riches and the power. And yeah. So it's kind of like, you know, the genie, how many, you know, the genie says you get three wishes. And my first wish is I want unlimited wishes. (laughs) So maybe that's what Solomon was going for here. Yeah. So that's that kind of conversation continues to go through three. And I wanted to bring this up because I, I think Dr. Tony would tell me I'm wrong, but maybe the cynicalness in me thinks this, but he gave me this book, Bible Overview, and in it, I'm like, maybe he thinks I need to learn more. <laughs> but, and I do. I always do. But in it, it says one that gives sort of the key key verses of both first and second Kings. And one of the key verses that it, um, it, it says is right here where we are. 
So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and distinguish between right and wrong for who is able to govern this great people of yours. Why do you think that's a key verse? I mean, I think, I, I think the discerning heart maybe is, you know, yeah. that's, a, that's a, that's something really important at, in any time in leadership is always to be discerning. Yeah. I think in leadership, like you're talking about is we're planning Holy week services, right? There's a bajillion, um, options and things to choose from. And there's books upon books of other priests saying, oh, this is how you should hold your hand and do all of this, right? Like it's incumbent upon us as people who help lead worshiping communities to discern what needs to happen this year. And right this year being the first year for many people that Easter was celebrated as Easter has been in the past, (laughs) right? This was our first in-person Easter in three years. Right. They weren't doing in person in 2000 or 2001. I mean, 2020 or 2021. And so there are things we did, like we did the Easter vigil. We did all nine readings because we are going to get our money's worth out of this mm-hmm. next year. That may not be the wise thing to do is to make the service that long or whatever. Right. And so to in leadership. But I also just think in life. Right. People who um, are just making decisions about, you know, what kind of conversation do I need to have with a friend or a loved one? Or like we need that discerning, like we don't need answers necessarily. Although, God, I wish you would sometimes just give me some answers. Wipe it down Um, the face, God. Yeah. Yeah. But what we need is the discerning heart so that when we have hard conversations, when we have awkward conversations, when we have decisions we need to make, like that's what we need is the discernment piece. Yeah, totally agree. Um, You know, it's so funny, like, I'm like, oh gosh, we got to figure out how to get through the rest of this. Um, the We're next, not even going to get through chapter three because, like, we haven't even talked about the baby. I we know. have to talk about Solomon talk and the baby. It. Talk about the baby. So as soon, you know, Solomon's put to the test. As soon as he asks for this wisdom, he has um, two women come up to him, um, both prostitutes. Scripture I had to put that in there for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. And one woman said, "Please, Lord, this woman and I live in the same house. I gave birth while she was in the house." Then on the third day, this woman also gave birth. We were together. There was no one with us. Only one of the two were in the house. Then one of the sons died. So there's two women. Both had children. Both children, like babies kind of all look the same, right? Mm-hmm. And so one of these babies died. And so there's... All look the same. They do not all look the same. <laughs> Only a man would say that. Keep going. So there's two women who both had kids. One kid is still alive. And there's... Like this is like a lifetime movie set mm-hmm. up. Yeah, right? totally. like, whose whose baby is this? And they come to Solomon to to rule on this, right? Um, and so what does Solomon do? Right, like let's cut the baby in half mm-hmm. because yeah, only a guy. <laughs> no, but then right, what's the thing? Like, how did Solomon use that question to figure out who the mom was? Mm-hmm. Because the mom was the one who was willing to lose their child to save their life. The sacrifice. The sacrifice. Yeah. We just, Someone, we, before, right? Not the first yeah. time. Yeah. I mean, but that fact that, and so that's the, the heart of love. Like if you love something so much that you're willing to let it go so that it can thrive. Yeah. Right. That's more powerful than any claim of possession or ownership could be. Totally agree. Yeah. I don't know though. I don't know if it was me, if I could do it. Yeah. I don't. It's a lot. 
But yeah. and so, th- but this is a story, right? Like everyone knows, like split the baby. That's a phrase, right? Like, right. do people know that it comes from you know First Kings three? Probably verse not twenty. I don't know. Maybe not. It's well, just we become something from scripture. That today. So now do you what? We highlighted that today. So we now did highlight that today. Um, okay, Alan. As we get in to like four, five, some of the rest of this, it's it's to me, and you you tell me if you think different. But to me, it feels a lot like Solomon kind of establishing his kingship. Like he's building a house. He's getting like all the right people around him. He's getting his servants. Um, sort of how, like maybe like in the first year or so of like your ministry, right? You're like getting your people around you. You're figuring it out. You know, that's what it kind of feels like to me. And then there's these interesting sort of stories within that. Um, I mean, one, like Solomon worked on building his house for 13 years. I mean, now I cannot imagine it's like you or I's house. I'm sure it's like a big, big mansion, you know, you know, whatever. But that feels like this is what he's kind of doing. What do you think? Yeah. Um, you know, he builds the temple and the temple's going to come in to play a lot in the rest of scripture, right? Like we just had a lot of stories about Jesus saying, I'm going to tear down this temple and in three days build it back again. And like people thought he was talking about destroying the place. Uh, surprise, he wasn't. Um, but that all goes back to here and what Solomon's doing. This is the genesis of all the temple language. The temple is the center place of worship. And then when Jesus uses that metaphor for himself. But yeah, that's like, you know, as I read this, there's just a little bit in First Kings that about building the temple. Then there's a lot about Solomon building his house. Yeah, so I think this, 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 this dude's really interested in his house. And um, he loves women. Solomon yeah. really. There's a couple chapters about all of that, um, yeah. right? Like takes after his dad. And yeah. right. And he likes and, foreign women. That's what my Bible says. He likes foreign. Yeah. And frankly, um, it's more proof that God uses humans. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And broken people. Right. Solomon's not too far off from his dad, who's not too far from, off from like all of humanity, and that we all have our flaws. Um, and and God tell Solomon, I'm not happy with you about some of this. Like God is not afraid to say, I told you not to do this. And you are just doing what I told you not to do. You know, um, I'm like way down, like in 11 chapter nine. And the Lord was angry with Solomon because his heart had turned away from the Lord. And that's what happens when we get in power, right? We're building houses, we're getting into women, men, whatever. And we forget what our duty is, which is to love and serve the Lord and bring people to the Lord. Right. It happens all the time. Still yeah, happens. chapter nine. I mean, it sounds like the people of Israel going back, you know, it starts and the Lord says, says, if you will walk with me as David walked with me, um, you know, I'll establish your throne over Israel forever. Nothing will fail. But if you turn aside from following me, you or your children and don't keep my commandments, and I will cut Israel off from the land that I've given them. So this to me sounds like what we talked about in the Exodus and yeah. Leviticus, right? Like God saying, you've seen me faithful before. Trust that I'm going to be faithful again. Please trust that I'm going to be faithful again. And things are going to go well. 
But if you turn aside, if you start following your own desires, then it's probably not going to go too well. And that's been kind of the constant struggle and back and forth throughout the whole of Scripture up to this point and basically will be for the rest of time. And yeah. here it's presented to Solomon. You have a choice. It is so Faithfulness our or unfaithfulness. Right. It's so our lives. Too. We have that choice. Faithfulness or unfaithfulness. There's your title. Yeah. Um, it, it, it is so our lives. And I think that feels so important too. like we are learning about these scriptures. But, you know, the one one thing Alan and I feel really committed to as well is like, how does this work out in our own lives? And, and, that, and there it is. It shows up every time, Alan, every time it shows up. You know, we have a choice, and especially during this Easter season. Like we have a choice to celebrate and know what God did for us, what Jesus did for us. Or we can just sit there and be like, I guess I'm just going to be unfaithful and go do my own thing and have my own power and get all caught up in that instead of. And that's exactly what Solomon did during this time instead of having the choice of. I'm going to be here. You know, I teased everybody yesterday because we had this huge crowd of people, of course, because it was Easter day and all that. But, you know, I said, you know, we do this every week. We do the same thing every week. And maybe there's a little bit less flowers. Maybe there's a little bit less brass, but we do this every week. And you have a choice. You have a choice to be here and be with us. And experience God's love through us as a community, you know, and that's exactly what happened to Solomon. He made some bad choices, but we all do, right? And that'll be the story this coming Sunday, right? Thomas gets a bad rap doubting Thomas. Thomas is the one who was honest enough to ask his questions, but he was still in the room. Yeah, I like Thomas. I did. Yeah, he didn't give up and like go you know, find himself. He was still there with his brothers. Yeah. I always hate Don Thomas Hatt gets a bad rap because I can really identify with him. Yeah. Anyway, here we go. We got through and we talked through um, one through 11. We've got some guests coming on next week who might be able to bring more insight as we continue the journey through Kings. Um, happy Easter folks. Remember it's 50 days. Don't stop celebrating. Don't stop celebrating. And as always, remember, we love you, but most importantly, God does. Bye.